journalists Gera Petritis told reporters the investigation would be comprehensive. The investigation into the cause will take place in a way that will be transparent and it will be absolutely thorough. This is the order of the Prime Minister. For this reason, today an ad hoc committee of experts will be set up to study the systemic causes that led to the tragedy we're living through and lack of action that existed over time, if any. Greece's worst rail disaster has caused an outpouring of grief and anger, with more protests taking place outside the headquarters of Hellenic Rail in Athens. One of the losing candidates in Nigeria's presidential election, Peter Obi, has reiterated his criticism of the poll. The Labour Party candidate got 25% of votes and finished third. He said he'd proved through the courts that he had won. He said Nigerians had been cheated. This election, as you know, did not meet the minimum standard expected of a free, transparent, credible, fair election. It will go down as one of the most controversial elections ever conducted in Nigeria. And antiquities officials in Egypt say they've discovered a hidden corridor behind the main entrance of the Great Pyramid of Giza. It's thought the nine-metre-long unfinished corridor was likely built to relieve the weight of the pyramid on either the main entrance seven, either on either the main entrance seven metres below, or on another as yet undiscovered chamber. Speaking at a news conference in Giza, the archaeologist Zahi Hawass expressed his excitement. Today could be the most important discovery of the century because anything inside the Great Pyramid of Khufu will enter the houses and the hearts of people all over the world because of this discovery, the discovery of a tunnel. The news from RTHK. Cheers, Vicky. Good morning. It's Friday the 3rd of March and this is James Ross. Uh, In the headlines, Hong Kong's retail sales saw a 7% year-on-year increase in January, the second consecutive month of growth. Uh, China's bankers are being told to clean up their hedonistic lifestyles and tow the party line. Uh, Eurozone inflation has eased slightly and now stands at 8.5%. Unemployment benefits in the U.S. fell for the third straight week. That's potentially bad news in the fight against uh, inflation by the Fed. Uh, Tesla shares falling almost 6% overnight after Elon Musk's presentation to investors failed to impress. Uh, Shares of crypto bank Silvergate slumped overnight after the uh, lender warned it was delaying its annual report. Uh, India's top court is asking its market regulator to investigate further allegations against the Adani Group. And Hong Kong Broadband Network says it's been approached about a potential takeover by HTC Global Communications. On this morning's uh, Money Talk, we'll be joined by Andrew Ferris, uh, Chief Strategist at Ecognosis Advisory, and how's you, uh, Chief Economist at GTJAI. After 8.30 in the Your Money segment, uh, Caroline Wright will be looking at how to protect yourself from scams, and she'll be joined by uh, Jiddy Wong of the Consumer Council. 
And finally, with the music festival Clock and Flap kicking off for the first time since 2018, uh, later today, uh, we'll be talking about the business of live music with Jasper Donat, the organiser of yesterday's Live Matters conference, and Nick Wilshire, Managing Director of Entertaining Asia. Well, don't forget, if you have any questions for our guests, you can email us at moneytalk at rthkhk or via our Facebook page, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Well, Hong Kong's retail sales saw a 7% year-on-year increase in January, uh, the second consecutive month of growth, with a sales value provisionally estimated at 36.2 billion Hong Kong dollars. Uh, sales of Chinese drugs were up almost 39%. Jewelry watches and valuable gifts also sold well, up 23%. Uh, the growth attributed to stronger consumer sentiment and the fact that the Lunar New Year fell in January rather than February. The Hong Kong Retail Management Association says the increase is in line with expectations, but it's Chairwoman Annie Yao Tse uh, cautioned that the rise came from a low base, given Hong Kong was in the midst of its Omicron outbreak early last year. The positive retail numbers show that the market is on the uptrend, but is that a very significant improvement? That's definitely not the case. It will take time. Ms. Say said the retail sector faced manpower shortages and urged landlords to be lenient in seeking higher rent. Uh, Bloomberg is reporting that bankers on the mainland are being told to rectify their mindsets, uh, clean up their, quote, hedonistic lifestyles and stop copying Western ways. The directives, part of a commentary last week from China's top anti-graft watchdog, are just the latest sign that uh, President Xi's campaign to tighten the party's grip on the financial system has a long way to go. That report came ahead of the annual session of the National People's Congress, which kicks off this Sunday, where authorities are expected to set out key policy goals, including 2023's growth target. Uh, China's economy grew by 3% last year, the worst economic performance in nearly half a century. The original target had been 5.5%. Michael Pettis, finance professor at Peking University, says there are two major challenges to deal with. The biggest question is about the, the extent to which we're going to see a reversal of last year's contraction in, in, in consumption. And there's been talk about helping consumers by distributing income to them, distributing consumer coupons, etc. They've not been really major programs, but there will continue to be talk about that. Um, the, the other worry, the biggest worry is the real estate market. As you know, that's come down quite a lot and put enormous pressure, particularly on local governments who have had to cut funding, cut salaries, etc. So there will probably be announcements about attempts to stabilize the property market. In other news, shares of crypto bank Silvergate slumped overnight after the lender warned it was delaying its annual report and is evaluating its ability to operate as a going concern. Silvergate had earlier reported a $1 billion loss for Q4 as investors withdrew deposits in the wake of FTX's bankruptcy. India's top court is to investigate Adani Group for any lapses related to public shareholding norms, regulatory disclosures or the main allegation that Adani Group improperly used offshore tax havens and manipulated stocks. Uh, Seven listed Adani Group companies have since lost about $135 billion in value, despite Adani denying any wrongdoing. 
Uh, the BBC's Aruna De Mukherjee says the constitution of the five-member panel the Supreme Court has set up is significant. In the last hearing, the Supreme Court had rejected the recommendations of the uh, federal government of the names of this panel, saying that if they were to accept the names given by the government, then that would tan- be tantamount to it being a government panel. And that's why the Supreme Court has put forth its own names and uh, it, it will be delving into this uh, investigation. Their report is due to be to re- to be returned to the Supreme Court in two months' time. Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing says it'll open a new office in London by the end of the first half as it expands its international footprint. In a statement, the exchange says the office will help promote its international equities franchise, connectivity with mainland China's capital markets and its derivatives offerings. It'll be its second office outside Asia. In December, it opened an office in New York. Hong Kong Broadband Network says it's been approached about a potential takeover by the asset management firm that owns HCC Global Communications. HKBN says it plans to engage in talks but has yet to form any view about the possible offer. HGC used to be part of CK Hutchison before being sold in 2017 to Asia Cube Global, which is owned by I-Squared Asia Advisors. Australian airline Qantas says it'll hire 2,300 pilots, cabin crew and engineers in the next 18 months as part of a recruitment and training drive that will see the airline refill thousands of roles cut during the pandemic. And Pakistan's central bank has raised interest rates to 20%, at 300 basis points, the highest in Asia, as it struggles to contain rising prices and a deepening financial crisis. The announcement came after the rupee fell more than 6% against the US dollar. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3 well, let's have a quick look at the markets. And starting on Wall Street, where stocks bounced up in a round of bargain hunting after the recent sell-off. That in spite of worries over interest rates, the Dow finishing up 1.1% at 33,003. The S&P 500 up 0.8% to 3,981, while the Nasdaq rose 0.7% to 11,462. Gary Lee, an economist at Columbia University, says there were a couple of reasons for the bounce. I guess first and probably most important one was a closely watched company Salesforce uh, reported uh, uh, widening profit margins even though the actual revenue in the business was falling. There were some constructive remarks by a Federal Reserve official that said he was firmly committed to uh, one quarter of one percentage point hikes going forward. He wasn't ready to go up a half a point so that made the market feel better that it could be worse. The gains came despite another rise in the 10-year U.S. Treasury note following Eurozone inflation data, uh, the note currently showing a yield of 4.06%. Yes, inflation in the Eurozone came in, coming in at 8.5% in February, according to official figures. This was above expectations and prompted ECB President Christine Lagarde to caution that additional interest rate hikes may be needed. Uh, Tesla's shares fell almost 6% after chief executive Elon Musk's earlier presentation failed to impress investors waiting for an affordable electric vehicle and a plan with a concrete timeline. Mr. Musk and his team had laid out fresh plans to cut assembly costs by half, invest in a new plant in Mexico, but was short on details about the timeline or any new Tesla products. The numbers applying for unemployment benefits in the U.S. fell for the third straight week. That's good news for U.S. workers, but potentially bad news in the fight against inflation by the Fed. European stock markets closed higher, recovering earlier losses after that inflation data came in above expectations. The stock 600 index up half a percent. 
percent at 460.02 after dipping into negative territory during morning trading. Food and beverage stocks leading the gains up 1.8 percent, while banks slipping 0.8 percent. At the close, London's benchmark FTSE 100 up 0.4% to 7,944, rather, 7,944. Uh, Frankfurt's DAX 30 up a fraction to 15,327. The CAC 40 in Paris up 7 tenths of 1% to 7,284. Hong Kong stocks closing lower yesterday as U.S. rate hikes worries uh, returned to the fore after two Fed officials had warned they'd have to go higher for longer to rein in inflation. The Hang Seng down 0.9% yesterday to 20,429. The Shanghai Composite down 0.1% to 3,310. The Shenzhen Composite slipping half a percent to 2,152. Japan stocks lower yesterday as losses in retail and pharmaceuticals and gas and water led uh, shares late lower. The Nikkei 225 down a fraction at 27,498. To commodities and Brent crude currently trading up a fraction at uh, $84.45 a barrel. Copper down 2% at $407.45 a pound. A spot gold almost unchanged at $1,835.86 an ounce. In currencies, the euro buying $1.00 and six cents uh, the u.s dollar standing at uh, 136.75 japanese yen the pound buying 9.38 uh, uh, hong kong dollars the yuan standing at 6.91 against the u.s dollar and bitcoin currently trading at 23,462 U.S. dollars. Looking at the S&P ASX 200 in Sydney, it's currently at 7,279. And the Hang Seng Futures looking for an opening of about uh, 1% higher. to kick off our discussion. Very pleased to uh, welcome to the programme, as normal on a Friday, Andrew Ferris, uh, Chief Strategist at Ecognosis Advisory. Uh, good morning, Andrew. You're the CEO, but it doesn't matter. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we will get it right next time. <laughs> I apologise about that. Uh, and also, good morning to Hao Zhu, who is the Chief Economist at uh, GTJAI. GTJAI. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, nice to have you both on the show as uh, normal. And uh, let's kick off with maybe just a, a look at how the markets have been so far this week. Um, looking back through the week, what do you think, Andrew? Has it been a, a good week, a bad week? Uh, what, what is, what's your general impression? Well, you know, actually, I like to, to put my, my Bloomberg screen a few feet away from me, squint my eyes, grit my teeth, <laughs> and uh, without counting anything, look all the green bits and all the red bits, and um, yeah, majority of them are year up, year up to date. Okay, in US dollar terms. So more uh, green than red, are you saying? Yeah, more green than red. Except the only red in Asia is sort of slightly strange. We have uh, Singapore and Thailand uh, that they shouldn't really be on the red side. This is uh, really Nobel Prize winning stuff. But if you are asking me what was the the week like, I will say a little bit of a yawn. <laughs> Not a lot happening, eh? Uh, how is, is is that similar for you? Do you do you feel it's been a bit of a non-eventful week? Well, I think you know basically if we if we look at the market, the most important thing for me is that you know the 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 bond yield in the in the US in the Europe has been rising very quickly. Uh, that's probably the most important in you know, the market event in the past week. But generally speaking, I have to say that you know given uh, that the market looks like they're Gradually get used to this kind of, you know, up and down in the bond yield. 
And if you look, if you look at the stock market, actually uh, it's not so kind of a panic uh, to the bond yield rise. So uh, basically, I think you know the market has gradually priced in kind of uh, higher for longer, uh, as we mentioned earlier. And in the meantime, you know we have to uh, think about kind of a long-term uh, portfolio investment or, or or even a rebalancing issue. Uh, but but in general, I think you know uh, I agree that not so uh, eventful week. Uh, the past week. It seems it's a, a pretty uncertain time for these potential uh, interest rate rises. Uh, what do you think? How do you think um, we're going to see some some more? I mean, there's a general feeling like that, but it's, it does seem a bit uncertain at the moment. Well, of course, you know, basically, uh, I think, you know, uh, the surprise was actually from the U- Europe at this moment, especially after yesterday's uh, CPI numbers from the uh, from Europe. Uh, again, can be a high expected. Uh, so basically, uh, the market has to reprice in the ECB's terminal rate. Probably we are talking about 4% for now. Uh, maybe we're talking about 5.5% for the Fed. So I think, you know, uh, you know, if you look at two years ago, maybe pro- probably if we think about it, the, U- the interest rate will, will be 4% in the Europe and 5% in the U.S. This like crazy idea. But right now, we are really approaching that. So uh, I think, you know, this is uh, one of the biggest surprises of the market. Uh, but again, you know, given the inflation is so elevated in these economies, probably we have to accept that and uh, get used to this kind of uh, high interest rate going forward. Andrew, I think you're in London at the moment. What's the, what's the vibe in Europe uh, on interest rates, would you say? Well, the, the European vibe, well, given, given the inflation rates that we got uh, yesterday, the answer is, is, yeah, they're going to go up. But uh, this continues. If you wanted me to say something about, specifically about the euro, because the news about the deal with Northern Ireland completely obscured everything else, because that was uh, the first win also of uh, the current prime minister. Remember, we had four mm. in the last four days, I believe. Yes. So I'm being, I'm being <laughs> facetious here. So this was this was a great relief that the Tory party would not tear itself apart. Well, that I think the one of the previous one of the previous prime ministers Boris Johnson was quick to take pot shots at it though, wasn't he? But of course because that was his plan. I mean it would be if it was part of his day. But anyway, hang on a minute, James, I'm diverting. It seems as if I'm not replying to the question. The answer is, is yes. Interest rates as far as the, the local president feeling is interest rates in Europe will go up. Now for UK itself I, I need to see at least a couple of more months of, uh, of, of inflation uh, numbers. But uh, here, too, it looks as if they may very well follow. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's see how uh, things pan out in the next, uh, in the next short while. Um, you know, let's, let's look a little bit um, back to what the news we got on Wednesday, that uh, China's manufacturing activity surged to its highest reading, uh, reading in more than a decade in February as factories began to return to normal after COVID. The official manufacturing PMI stood at 52.6 in February compared with 50.1 a month earlier and surpassed expectations. How, you know, what are you your feelings about that um you know is, is that going to give us some optimism for the full year ahead oh, of course i think you know the market right now is kind of looking at the six percent growth uh, in china i think you know that's probably there uh, we don't care about you know 5.5 or six percent the most important thing is that china has uh, come back and china has uh, you know uh, china has gradually uh, returned to a normal kind of uh, growth path 
and the COVID will no longer the problem of what is called economic growth. So I think that's the most important message delivered by these PMI numbers. Uh, probably this is coming a bit kind of higher than expected, uh, even with, especially when we talk about a 10-year high or one-decade high. But actually, I think there's a lot of kind of event, uh, event and the seasonal factors uh, that are contributing to this kind of surprising, upside surprise. Uh, but in general, I think, you know, uh, the one thing is clear. Um, China has come, has come back, and uh, the market is looking at 6% for China growth uh, this year. And, of course, you know, the National People's Congress that is going to be uh, kick off this week will give a kind of official growth target for China. Uh, I think, you know, uh, in the past few years, when we talk about the growth target in China, actually, you know, they always miss that because of COVID. But right now, uh, we are seriously looking at looking at this kind of growth, growth target, and uh, probably China will uh, hit or beat this, this target this year. Andrew, is that a, few, is that a view that, um, that you reflect as uh, a positivity about China? There still seems to be quite a bit of uncertainty despite these, uh, this manufacturing activity, yeah. doesn't there? Well, the first thing that, of course, I jump to see is whether we're going to have, whether that number was based on a low base, you know, 16.6%. As, for example, was the Hong Kong retail, which mm. I will return to that because I think it's mm. quite important. And that was not, actually. I can't see here something that will tell me, yeah, of course, the previous number was extremely low, so that allows you 16.6%, which is encouraging. The PMI, also, I, uh, you know, the PMI is supposed to be forward-looking, and, uh, that that I am happier. Normally in China it moves in a glacial pace and sort of living by <laughs> something like one and a half points was 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 quite good. But please, uh, please, uh, can I say something about the Hong Kong retail price? Please do. Please go ahead. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. Okay. Uh, January twenty two percent. Yeah, but small mm. but interesting detail. Sorry, January was 23%, small but interesting detail. If we go back one year, mm. okay, the January last year number was 4%, but we had Chinese New Year combination, and the next two numbers, oh dear, we're talking about 22, was minus 14% right. and minus 13%. So I suspect the January price is based on an incredibly low effect. Bye-bye. Mm. I'm going home. Okay, that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, that, that, that is, there is really no recovery in retail sales in Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a misnomer, these numbers. Um, how is, is that something that uh, you, you're looking at as well? Do you follow these Hong Kong retail sales? Are they of importance, would you say? Well, I think, you know, of course, this is important. And also, I, uh, I sometimes travel, you know, between Hong Kong and Shenzhen these days. I have to say that. Uh, it's, you know, the immigration is not as crowded as before, but it's getting more and more crowded. Uh, that's my kind of uh, observation uh, in Hong Kong at the moment. And also, uh, in the meantime, we also look at uh, Hong Kong's property market, uh, because that's also important indication uh, for the economy. Uh, I have to say that it looks like, you know, the rental, the rent in Hong Kong, uh, is likely to, is likely to bottom uh, out in the next couple of quarters. And in the meantime, it looks like, you know, after the kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, the reopening in China and as well as the stamp duty kind of uh, uh, favorable tax policies from the government, uh, the property market in Hong Kong is probably hitting the bottom as well. So I think, you know, uh, looks like uh, Hong Kong economy, of course, due to a low base, we are going to have some kind of good numbers this year. Uh, but, you know, the the, the flow between... Uh, China, uh, mainland China and Hong Kong 
has become has become more and more kind of uh, uh, you know uh, more and more kind of popular or kind of crowded. So basically, uh, I it looks to me that as economists, we we'll, of course we look at numbers, but also in the meantime, we have to look at you know activities, real activities. I think that is getting uh, getting uh, heating up at this moment in, in between China and Hong Kong. Andrew, the, the Hong Kong property market does seem to drive sentiment here, uh, rightly or wrongly. Uh, d- does that drive your enthusiasm for for Hong Kong's recovery? Uh, not not at all, actually, because uh, we are facing with more increases in American interest rates. Uh, I reflect what Howe was telling us that uh, we we will see a five percent. Okay, and that that is is not good news for Hong Kong. In general, the property market tends to be much more resilient, resilient than people think it is. Mm. But on the other hand, okay, it ain't going up anytime soon. Okay, that is uh, that is uh, that is pretty pretty certain given given the peg. Now, um, shares of crypto bank uh, Silvergate slumped uh, overnight after the lender warned it was delaying its annual report. You know, this obviously comes off the back of FTX and various other crypto-related things. What do we think, guys? Uh, is crypto on the edge of recovery? I know the, uh, you know, obviously Bitcoin has uh, has come back in, in price since the beginning of the year. Oh, boy. What oh do you boy think, James, Andrew? You're, you're really waving a red cloth in front of me. I'm, I'm a determined... <laughs> Declared an absolute uh, enemy of cryptos. Okay, and I will not change my mind. What was absolutely amazing about the, the uh, sorry FTX, and that reflects on what we're saying right now, is, is that this was not simply a bank unable to cover its deposits. That's, that's, that's common. That's vanilla stuff. Okay, it was the company itself saying we were backing our liabilities with our assets that are backed by absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Users are, we are bankrupt. Hello? Can somebody tell anybody that they are, they are investing on, on bitcoins? They are investing on an asset which is backed by absolutely nothing. And then, you know, I've been a professor for 22 years, so I don't expect anybody to pay any attention to what this uh, whining professor is saying <laughs> in the background. Well, so, yes, yes, I'm not surprised. Look, look if a bank goes bankrupt because it mismanages its assets and liabilities, yeah, that's, that's, that's nothing new. But if a bank goes bankrupt because it has bitcoins, that's no news at all. It was already bankrupt because it had no assets. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no strong views at all from you, Andrew, and that's what we've <laughs> uh, we've we've come to expect. Uh, Andrew Ferris from uh, Ecognosis uh, Advisory and Housu uh, Chief Economist at GTJAI, our guest this morning uh, on Money Talk. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for for joining us. Uh, let's look ahead now. Still to come uh, in the Your Money segment on the show, Carolyn Wright will be looking at how to protect yourself from scams, and she'll be joined by Jilly Wong of the Consumer Council. And finally, with Music Festival Clock and Flap kicking off for the first time since 2018 later today, we'll be talking about the business of live music with Jasper Donut, the organiser of yesterday's Live Matters conference, and Nick Wilshire, uh, Managing Director of Entertaining Asia. Let's have a quick look at the market state at the moment. The S&P ASX 200 currently at 7,276. At the Nikkei 225, sorry, the uh, S&P 200 is up, let's say, three-tenths of one percent at the moment. At the Nikkei 
225, up uh, two-thirds of a percentage point at 27,682. Uh, the Kospi up a quarter of 1% at 2,433. And Hang Seng futures looking like the market will open about 1% up. To the weather, fine and dry. The maximum temperature around 22 degrees during the day. Moderate to fresh easterly winds. Occasionally strong offshore at first. The outlook mainly fine and dry uh, during the weekend. Looking good for clock and flap. 17 degrees, uh, 51% relative humidity. Now a look at the headlines uh, with Vicky. More than 130 people have had to be evacuated in Chim Sha Choi after a fire engulfed a building under construction. So far, no casualties have been reported and the fire was brought under control just after 8am. Parts of Nathan Road have been closed and some bus routes diverted. Here's Samantha Butler. The blaze began shortly after 11pm on the roof of the site in Middle Road. Firefighters deployed jets and breathing apparatus teams to tackle the blaze. 130 nearby residents were evacuated as a precautionary measure. Fiery debris caused small fires at buildings close by, but these were quickly extinguished. The fire also sent debris flying to the roads below and resulted in parts of Middle Road being closed to all traffic. Firemen say they surrounded the blaze just after 7.30am and got it under control half an hour later. The 42-storey building was due to be completed this year to house the new Mariners Club and a hotel. Another man has been arrested in connection with the murder of influencer Abby Choi. The police accused a 41-year-old who works at a yacht company of trying to help one of the suspects flee Hong Kong by boat. A total of six people have now been arrested. Three of them have appeared in court charged with murder, another to face a count of perverting the course of justice. The fifth person is suspected of hiding one of the suspects but has not yet been charged. Alan Jung is the superintendent of the Kowloon West Regional Crime Unit. What I can say is that we are, the case is still under active investigation um, as to when, how or where the victim was uh, killed. That is our main focus of the, of the investigation. The superintendent said police have ended the search operation for the victim's body parts at a landfill. He says they were trying to find two or three bags in amongst about 4,000 tonnes of rubbish. The foreign ministry has blasted the United States over the potential sale of weapons, including missiles for F-16 fighter jets, to Taiwan in a deal worth more than 600 million U.S. dollars. The ministry's spokesperson, Mao Ning, said the weapons deal would seriously damage China-U.S. relations. China urges the U.S. to abide by the One China Principle and the provisions of the three China-U.S. joint communiques to stop arms sales to Taiwan, end U.S.-Taiwan military ties and stop creating tension in the Taiwan Strait. The number of people confirmed dead in Tuesday's train crash in Greece has risen to 57. Coroners have been using DNA samples to identify the victims. The updated figure comes as rail workers across Greece hold a one-day strike, insisting they had repeatedly warned about decades of lax standards and underinvestment. The newly appointed transport minister, Yorgos Gerapetratritis, told reporters that the investigation would be comprehensive. <laughs> The investigation into the cause will take place in a way that will be transparent and it will be absolutely thorough. This is the order of the Prime Minister. For this reason, today an ad hoc committee of experts will be set up to study the systemic causes that led to the tragedy we're living through and lack of action that existed over time, if any. 
A British report has found that the suicide bomb attack that killed 22 people in Manchester in 2017 might have been avoided if intelligence officers had acted on information they received. A Libyan man, Salman Abedi, blew himself up as people were leaving a concert by the singer Ariana Grande. The BBC's Daniel de Simone reports. The findings of Inquiry Chairman Sir John Saunders are devastating. His report details how, before the attack, the security service MI5 received two pieces of intelligence that were highly relevant to the plot. Sir John says the reasons for one mischance included a failure by an MI5 officer to act swiftly enough on key intelligence. The report also finds the bomber probably received assistance in the plot from an unknown source in Libya, the first time an official conclusion has been made about the possible involvement of other people abroad. And the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has had a brief unplanned meeting with Russia's Foreign Minister, Sergei Lavrov, on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Delhi. It was their first face-to-face encounter since before the beginning of the Ukraine war. Mr. Blinken urged Russia to return to implementing the new START treaty, the last nuclear weapons agreement it had with the U.S. Mutual compliance is in the interest of both our countries. It's also what people around the world expect from us as nuclear powers. I told the Foreign Minister that No matter what else is happening uh, in the world or in our relationship, the United States will always be ready to engage and act on strategic arms control, just as the United States and the Soviet Union did, even at the height of the Cold War. The news from RTHK. Cheers, Vicky. And good morning, this is James Ross. Uh, looking at the headlines, uh, Hong Kong's retail sales saw a 7% year-on-year increase in January, the second consecutive month of growth. China's bankers are being told to clean up their hedonistic lifestyles and tow the party line. Eurozone inflation has eased very slightly, now stands at 8.5%. Uh, unemployment benefits in the US falling for the third straight week. That's potentially bad news in the fight against inflation by the Fed. Uh, Tesla shares falling almost 6% overnight after Elon Musk's presentation to investors failed to impress. Uh, The Dow finishing 1.1% up at 33,003. The S&P 500 up 0.8% to 3,981. The Nasdaq uh, rising 0.7% to 11,462. Shares of crypto bank Silvergate uh, slumping overnight after the lender warned it was delaying its annual report. And India's top court is asking its market regulator to investigate further allegations against the Adani Group. In a few moments, in your money, Carolyn Wright will be looking at how to protect yourself from scams. And in 10 minutes or so on the show, with music festival Clock and Flap kicking off for the first time since 2018 later today, we'll be talking about the business of live music uh, with Jasper Donat, the organiser of yesterday's Live Matters conference, and Nick Wilshire, Managing Director of Entertaining Asia. So let's get going with your money and Carolyn Wright takes a look at something I'm sure we've all had to deal with at some point and that is scams. Uh, Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. Today I'm looking at a big issue many of us had to deal with, scams. Hardly a day goes by when we see a story hitting the headlines about someone becoming victim and losing a substantial amount of money. 
Who better to help us take a dive into the topic than Gilly Wong, Chief Executive of the Consumer Council. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, Caroline. So let's kick off with looking at some of the most common complaints uh, you at the Consumer Council have received over the last year about scams. Um, well, scam is a very um, uh, serious word because uh, it requires the judgment of the court, obviously, to determine whether it is a genuine scam or maybe uh, a dispute. But um, for the council, because um, uh, usually, you know, what we received are disputes from consumer uh, about their online uh, purchase of goods or services. So probably, you know, what I can share is about uh, what we have experienced uh, in terms of uh, this kind of online disputes or or possibly, you know, some of them could yeah. be uh, allegedly scammed. All right, um, for the um, statistics, you know, that we received, uh, we could find that um, uh, because of the pandemic in the last few years, they are increasing um, uh, popularity for consumers to shop online. Yeah. Um, so therefore, um, the major uh, majority of the complaint is about uh, late non-delivery or loss. Um, if you are talking about scam, then possibly you know the the the, the biggest uh, uh, detriment to consumers is that you you couldn't receive the service. Uh, we, you couldn't receive the products. Um, another one is about uh, the suspected uh, spurious goods. You know, fake goods. Um, this is another pain point. You know, of consumer as well. And uh, furthermore, if um, uh, if it is an allergic scam, usually the consumer will try to seek for redress or refund, uh, but unfortunately, uh, it could not be done. So price or charge disputes is also another major area in terms of complaints. Uh, on a cumulative basis, uh, for last year, we received over 10,000 complaints wow. related to online shopping. And um, although, you know, I don't have a specific statistics about, you know, allergic online scams, but um most of it is related to the spurious goods and also non-delivery um, that accumulate probably about 2,000 or 3,000 cases. Wow, that is a lot of people falling victim here. So from, from the information that people have given you, what sort of things should they be looking out for to, to avoid you know, being trapped by one of these online sales scams? Um, I think... Um, it is very important that uh, when you are uh, engaged with social media, um, there are many small little shops or maybe uh, just one man shop um, that um, are selling um, uh, different kinds of products and services. Uh, it could be in a diverse range. It could be a fresh uh, produce or maybe fruit um, from um, uh, from overseas markets, um, uh, imported uh, a lobster and beef. Uh, and also the electrical appliances, uh, handmade or maybe homemade, you know, customized product, etc. Uh, but um, what we found, you know, it is very popular that uh, those are the offer are too good to be true, mm. too cheap, you know, and too attractive for you that you couldn't stop yourself, you know, to make an attempt um, yeah. to order to place the order. And secondly, is um, uh, for those shops, you know, it's usually you know you couldn't find any contact at all except the um, the, the the mobile number. That you that you're having, but uh, usually, uh, if it is a alleged scam, uh, you couldn't find um, the other party at all when there's uh, any dispute arise. For example, non-delivery, you're trying to chase after the products, but um, uh, you could be um, uh, ignored, or maybe even you know the account will, uh, will have to be already deleted or cancelled. Yeah. So there's no way you can chase, you know, for the for the redress. So. 
another aspect I wonder if people look at is do they look for online reviews of shops and is that something that they can they can trust? Um, this is one possible way for consumers to be more guarded because if there are more victims online, um, they will leave message uh, through the social media to uh, to share their bad experience. Um, so this is one way, you know, for consumers. But um, but sometimes, you know, you can also receive very positive response as well. Uh, that could be uh, possibly, you know, plant a message you know, if it is a, a genuine scam. So a consumer have to exercise very strong judgment and also do a lot of homework in judging, you know, whether uh, the shop that you want to purchase from are reliable or not. Um, the advice, you know, usually we offer to consumer is um, better to uh, to shop from shops that have business contact um, so that, you know, in case you have any disputes, you know, uh, you, you, um, and also, you know, if it's a high amount purchase, it's mm. better for you to validate the shop before you really make the purchase. And furthermore, is the payment method, you know, it's also mm. very important. Mm. I was going to ask you that. So a lot of the times it's things like if you use your credit card, is that a more sensible choice than using your bank card, for example? Um, definitely. Um, this is um, usually the consumer council seldom uh, recommend anyone to use a specific payment method. But mm -hmm. this time, you know, we will recommend um, shoppers to use a credit card um, to pay for it uh, because um, uh, they will have a chargeback mechanism in case uh, there's any dispute. Um, uh, the consumer at least could have an avenue to seek for their better protection, uh, basically, you know, to seek for a refund or chargeback, you know, of your purchase. So at least, you know, financially, you are, have a chance, you know, to get protected. Uh, if you have full other payment means, uh, like the direct bank transfer, uh, that won't have any um, uh, details to record your transaction. That will be more risky for consumers. So we will recommend, you know, to use credit card uh, for that. And also they have a very good uh, mechanism um, to tell you that, you know, whether the transaction has been completed and also to confirm with you whether the transaction is uh, valid. So um, they have a more um, uh, guard rules to protect you. So that's another good thing to, that you're suggesting there, that you, you no, make note of transactions when they go through so that you're sure that it looks like it's the right retailer that you, you've uh, paid your money to. Exactly, because at least uh, if you are uh, uh, traders, you know, accepting credit card, you need business registration, uh, you need to have a, a bank account, you know, etc. For them, you know, to uh, to manage, you know, the operation that will be more reliable, you know, from that sense. Okay, so lots of good advice there and top tips on keeping yourself safe. But if if still you've kind of looked through all of these things, you've looked for contact details for the retailer, you've maybe looked for some reviews, the deal looks, you know, it's good, but it's not crazy good. Um, is there anywhere else that they can turn? Can they turn to the Consumer Council, for example, for advice just to maybe get some reassurance? Oh, definitely. Uh, we receive uh, quite a lot of uh, inquiries um, to check out, you know, what they can do to better protect themselves. So in case of any doubt, we are more than delighted, you know, to offer our assistance. Another very good uh, tool that is pretty new from the Hong Kong Police Force is the Scam Meter because it is a one-stop scam and pitfall search engine oh. um, uh, that, can, that you can, you know, easily access on the online. Um, so you can uh, easily identify, it, it helps, you know, the public to identify frauds and online pitfalls such as uh, suspicious calls, online sales, 
sellers, um, that etc. Like uh, investment websites. Um, usually, you know, if you are falling into an investment trap, um, that could be quite the Quite, quite big in terms of your financial loss. So um, oh, this is a very good tool for consumers. Um, when you are, you don't know that shop you haven't purchased before and too good to be true, whether it is reliable or not, um, try this too as well and also call the Consumer Council. We are more than delighted you know, to offer the assistance. Great. That's really reassuring to know that there is some help out there. Now, if the worst happens and you have fallen victim, you know, as you say, you've bought something online, it's not shown up or, or the, the retailer has disappeared entirely. Um, who should uh, consumers turn to for help? Um, obviously, they can turn to the Consumer Council uh, for assistance. Uh, if it is um, quite a definite fraud already, um, they can also report to the police, um, the law enforcement agency, uh, including the police, and also if it is regarding um, the uh, the trade description uh, matters, uh, the Customs and Excise Department also will be able to help. Uh, but there are a few, you know, reminders to consumers uh, I, I want to offer here. Okay. Um, because sometimes, you know, the consumer may be a little bit late in re- reporting the case. So, um, if you encounter this kind of possible or alert the online scam, it's very important for you to, of, of course, you know, to stay calm mm-hmm. and also take out all the information that you have, any records, um, uh, like um, uh, the transaction record, yeah. uh, possibly, you know, could be any WhatsApp messages or maybe, you know, um, the, 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 uh, on the social media, what kind of messages, you know, you receive. And also um, to record the details in a written form yourself because when your memory is fresh, you can record many details about the transaction. Uh, but in case, uh, but if you delay it for a long time, your memory could be a little bit diluted. Uh, that will not help you, you know, to report to the enforcement agency. And even if you come to the council, uh, we will ask for you for certain details. If you forgot, you know, it's very hard for us to help to conceal it for you. So um, always keep track of good record and also remember the details will be very important to safeguard yourself. Brilliant stuff and very wise words there. Thank you so much for joining me today. That's Gilly Wong, uh, Chief Executive of the Consumer Council, and we'll be speaking with you again in around a month's time. And thank you, Carolyn. Well, live music is back in a big way this weekend with Clock and Flap opening its gates this afternoon at five o'clock among the headliners, the Arctic Monkeys, the Cardigans, Phoenix, Bombay, Bicycle Bicycle Club and bringing it all to a close on Sunday night, Wu-Tang Clan. Well, we thought it's a great opportunity to hear about the business of live entertainment and we'll speak in a moment to Nick Wilshire, Managing Director of Event and Hospitality Consultancy, Entertaining Asia and Jasper Donut, the organiser of yesterday's Live Matters conference here in Hong Kong. But first, earlier I spoke to the co-founder and music director of Clock and Flap itself, uh, Justin Sweeting, and I suggested to him that things must be getting very exciting now for the organising team. They are, yeah. We can't wait. Can't wait to open the gates. Um, we've got the bands, we've got the fans, just need to need to get it all rolling now. Yeah, I guess you really spent the last uh, uh, four or six months, probably longer, uh, building up to this moment. Um, but uh, I guess it, it is the culmination of a lot of work, right? Yeah, absolutely. And 
uh, I guess the main point there is, is it, not just for this edition, right? It's, it's a lot of people have worked kind of really hard behind the scenes for, for, for many years to try and try and get things up to to this scale. So we're, we're just so thrilled to be able to come back and um, return with 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 um, you know a really kind of strong comeback. Uh, five years is a long time. It does, somehow it doesn't seem like five years, but it is five years, right? <laughs> yep, the world is a very different place from when from when we last. Last, last we're in operation. And you're, you're not coming back uh, with a half full uh, festival. This is a full festival, isn't it? I mean, just looking at the publicity, looking at the posters, you have got a huge number of acts. Yeah, it, it's, we, we kind of purposely waited for our return until we were, were really convinced and uh, sure that we could put on the kind of experience that we thought was important for Clock and Flap. So, you know, we, we could have come back at various points during the pandemic, but we really wanted to ensure that, you know, you could have freestanding, free movement of people, F&B, all, all, all these things that make it fun, essentially. So, you know, the, the time became right for all, all, all those stars to align. And so we, we kind of jumped at the chance to do it. Well, it's not just a music festival, of course. It's a music and arts festival. It's an all-round experience, isn't it? And and for all the family. Absolutely. It's ever since we first started the festival. It's that's been our aim: the really coming together of all these things that we that we kind of hold so dear, and that that is music, art, food, friendship. You know, all these things all set against this iconic city skyline and the harbour front and when you have all these things coming together that's when you that's when the alchemy and the magic happens and, and it becomes something very special justin sweeting is co-founder and music director of clock and flap uh well i'm pleased to be joined now by jasper donut organizer of the live matters conference and ceo of branded and nick wilshire managing director of entertaining asia uh, good morning guys oh can't hear you at the moment uh let me see why that is well, good morning james. we're here ah oh, you are okay good, good. hello james sorry we, we, we were we were you know uh, i know night. you had a heavy night last night guys so uh just having a few zeds there um jasper first of all tell us about live matters um it's a conference that happened yesterday uh here in hong kong what 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 exactly does uh, did it consist of so you just had Justin talking about Clock and Flap. The last time we did Live Matters was 2019 in Hong Kong. Um, and it was supposed to be with Clock and Flap. And unfortunately, Clock and Flap had been postponed. Uh, and so we still, we brought the events industry together. What we wanted to do yesterday, again, was to celebrate an industry that has been in a lot of trouble globally for a long time. Uh, the events industry was the first in and last out of the pandemic. Um, but the world has come back. And so we wanted to get a lot of our friends together, 400 people together from the event industry to celebrate and look forward to the industry coming back. So, yeah, that, that was it. It was, it, was a, it was a conference, but it wasn't a normal conference. We did it outside. We did it at the AIA Vitality Park. We did by the, by the big wheel. By right? the big wheel. Well, we yeah. actually had all our meetings took place on the big wheel <laughs> and on the dodgems and on the on the, the merry-go-round. But oh, we really? had a, a very yeah, we had a very serious <laughs> that the program the, the conference itself was very serious in terms of the programming. We had people like uh, Dane Cheng, the CEO of, of the Hong Kong Tourism Board, opened it and Alan Zeman was the, the, the closing speaker. So we had some very, very, very serious people on stage. But we also had a lot of fun 
backstage. So, uh, so yeah, it was it was a very different event, but a lot of fun. It does seem like it's uh, uh, the start of uh, live music, particularly coming back to uh, Hong Kong. You know, tying up with uh, Clock and Flap. I guess it's a pretty optimistic time. Nick Wilshire, you know, are you are you seeing that optimism? You're down and dirty in the music promotion <laughs> business. Uh, yes, it's uh, it really is uh, uh, k- kicking off. I would say um, is the. A good example is obviously you got Clock and Flap. It's sold out, and all, all the all the people that I usually who are usually at all of these events, uh, my close friends, not a single one actually bought a ticket because they just assumed that they could wait till the week, and so that just goes to show that. I think it's the, the first demand. time, isn't it, that, that Clock and Flap's ever sold out? Actually, I, I read yesterday somewhere, and it uh, everybody was a bit shocked that, that uh, it sold sold out so quickly, right? Yeah. The, yeah, that, I mean, that's what I'm discovering. I'm still getting messages, people asking me for tickets. I'm actually thinking of just making a post to say, you don't need to ask, I don't have anything. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's excellent. And then obviously in the beginning of April, there's a Creamfields, which will also be in the same location, the, the festival from UK, um, also on the same weekend as the Rugby Sevens. Um, and now also also throughout the... Coming up in the next few months, we've got more concerts and other other different shows. So there's a, there's a lot going on, and uh, uh, even plan- some concerts have already been released for uh, October, which is a- against the current. So there's already things to look at, uh, look forward to at the end of the year as well. Jasper, you monitor things across Asia, you know, as the uh, um, Live Matters uh, conference does. Uh, are you seeing this reflected in other places like Singapore and uh, and around the region, the live music coming back, live entertainment, people getting out? Yeah, <clears throat> call it event revenge, if you will, but um, people want to be at, at concerts, people want to be in venues, they want to be with their friends, <clears throat> they want to have a beer in their hands, they want to watch whether it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers, whether it's Blackpink, whether it's, uh, as, as Nick said, uh, you know, Creamfields at the end of, end of March. Um, it's happening all over, the, all over Asia. Um, people want to be back in a room. Um, I, I don't know what that means to things like the metaverse, <laughs> whether people want to be watching a, a laptop screen. I don't think they do. I think they want to be, or uh, clearly they want to be back. With in a venue watching great music with their friends. And clearly it's a good time uh, that the uh, mask mandate uh, came to a conclusion uh, on Wednesday, isn't it? Well, you know, um, it was very nice of the government to do that for us. We, I think we were the first event out of the, out of the, out of the hat on that one. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, it's great to see. And, and I think what we tried to do at the conference yesterday was very much look forward, not back. Everyone knows the last... You know, well, three years of COVID was was horrendous. Um, but Hong Kong had a year before that and a year after it. So Hong Kong's been out for five years, and, and Justin said it as well as, you, as we just heard. Mm. So, so yeah, very much looking forward uh, and 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 just seeing ticketing going crazy, uh, live music going crazy. And this so, is yeah, big Hong bucks Kong's we're talking place. about here, isn't it? You know, I mean, it, it is a big, uh, big, big dollar industry these days. Yeah, pe- people are are really obviously doing very well um even on the uh the dj side as well uh what people don't realize is there's been at least i would say 30 to 40 international djs um in the last just uh, one or two months coming mm. to hong kong so yeah they're really putting together a schedule where some venues are doing something every single week with an international artist whereas before it may be once a month 
So, yeah, they're really taking advantage of the, the demand and right now and uh, capita- capitalising on that. Yeah. Well, I guess we've got a good weekend of, uh, of live music, many, many acts, uh, Clock and Flapper. You guys uh, looking uh, to, to watch any particular bands, Jasper? You got any particular ones in, in mind to see? As the oldest person here, I have to say Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, that's tonight, right? <laughs> that's tonight, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That'll be awesome. And, and I, I met their manager on, on, uh, on Wednesday as well. They're, they're, they're excited to be here. Uh, Hong Kong is excited to have them here, but the, I, mean, look, I have to say about about Clock and Flap, I always joked with Justin that it was it was an independent festival. So if I'd ever heard of any of the bands, he was failing. Um, so they've got the Arctic <laughs> Monkeys, who I have heard of. I once I once with my daughter on the train coming in to to see Clock and Flap, I was showing her the app, trying to be a cool dad, saying, "Who do you want to see this year?" And she looked at me and said, "Daddy, that's last year's app." Nick, uh, what are you going to see this weekend, do you think? I've got a few things. Um, I've got um, Men I Trust, Sasha Alex Sloan, which will be today, tomorrow, uh, FKJ, and the Cardigans. I think they're the the top ones for me. Um, Cardigans, obviously, that was what, what... was playing when I was at university, so... I've heard of them. I've heard of them. <laughs> Justin's failed twice. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jasper Donat, organiser of Live Matters and CEO of Branded, and Nick Wilshire, um, MD of Entertaining Asia, and here are the very same cardigans and loveful to take us out. Cardigans are the headline act uh, on Saturday night at uh, Clock and Flap. Well, that's just about it from Moneycast or even Money Talk today. Let's have a quick look at the markets before we go. Uh, the S&P ASX 200 currently up uh, three tenths of one percent at seven thousand two hundred and eighty. The Nikkei 225 is also up three quarters of one percent at twenty-seven thousand six hundred and ninety-eight. The Kospi up a fraction at two thousand four hundred and thirty-two. And Hang Seng futures looking for a one percent open in the market this morning. On Monday's show, Andrew Work will be joined by Mark Mickelson and we'll have Peter Kim with a view from South Korea. That is on Money Talk on Monday morning. Uh, this is James Ross. I'll see you tomorrow night for the greatest hits of music at 10 past 6. Look forward to that.